Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, hey, welcome back to Equipping You Podcast. This is Season 7, Episode 6. We're coming to you today, well, let's just say from the state of Ohio, home of, ready for this, Alan? I am always ready that. The Akron Zips, Toledo Rockets, Ohio Bobcats, Miami Red Hawks, Kent State Golden Flashes. Today, we're tipping our hat to the Mac. The oh. Mid-America Conference, wow, look the at smaller you, schools, we're ignoring the Ohio oh. State. Oh, you said university. the university, which shall not be named. Oh, so well, wait, are we going to skip over the fact that there's Miami? Is that is there like Miami, a Miami, Ohio. Ohio? There is. It's down by Dayton. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Wow. I wonder if it's just as exotic and warm and I doubt it. Uh, it's worth a shot. I, if, I, if my memory serves <laughs> correct, I believe it's the the college home of. Ben Roethlisberger, the Steelers uh, quarterback, so uh, whose wife uh, grew up in Alliance Church. Yes, correct. So uh, there's the connection that we wanted. To That's make. what we. You said all that just so we could get to that, Terry. Yes. You're brilliant. You're Thank brilliant. You. Thank you. I'm Terry, Church Ministries Leader for the Alliance, <laughs> and I'm Alan. I'm the District Team in Eastern PA, and I'm Caitlin, equipping you producer. And in the background, the silent listener to every conversation, Isaac. <laughs> taking copious notes on our behalf, and we're grateful for that. So our guest today, Alan, is a gentleman by the name of Brian Fickert. I wouldn't recognize the name, but I would recognize the name of his book, When Helping Hurts. Yeah, and I won't forget him now because talking to him personally was is just as good as reading the book. It I is. I mean, he, this is, he's, he's a man who has true compassion for the poor. Yeah who is not just a theoretical economist, though that's what he was trained, uh, but he puts it in practice in his own life uh, and in a center he leads, the Chalmers Center. And uh, I am super excited to share this interview with our wonderful Equipping You listeners. Yeah, agreed. And uh, I think they're going to uh, appreciate it and learn from it and be stretched by it. Yeah. And I, can I make a true confession here? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of churches that I've been in and other churches I've known have wanted to help people living in poverty. And honestly, I did exactly what Brian's book warns against. Through our helping, we actually hurt. Not intentionally, not with a malicious heart, but we didn't know that we weren't really helping people in poverty. We were just allowing them to continue in a cycle of poverty by what the attempt that we were doing to give relief in it. Uh, and so Brian's book and this conversation, I think will be really helpful to our listeners. And I admit that I've been guilty of the same. Mm. So uh, we'll all learn from this conversation together. Brian is from Wisconsin. So mm. in that spirit, we're going to say, grab yourself a maple root beer okay. from the Sprecher Brewery. This was given to me by uh, Mark Trinkle. All right our pastor in uh, Maryland, suburban D.C. area. So uh, grab yourself that maple root beer, sit back, relax. Here we go. Hey, 
And we're pleased to welcome uh, Brian Pickert to Equipping You uh, podcast today. Brian, thanks for taking time out of your day to join us. We appreciate it. It's great to be with you folks today. So uh, if you don't mind, give us a snapshot of your journey of coming to know the Lord. Oh, my word. So what a great question. Well, I was raised in a Christian household. My father was a Presbyterian minister. Uh, my mother's side of the family, there was a, more of a Wesleyan influence and even some Christian Missionary Alliance as part of that story. Ooh, and wow. so, yeah, so I was raised in a Christian household. I, I really can't say of a day that I didn't know the Lord, but um, certainly the Lord continued to grow me in my walk with him. And, and um I accepted the Lord uh, at a very early age. I, I can't tell you when exactly that was, but a very early age. And just uh, have been so thankful for the Lord's um, protection of me, for his holding me close, even when I probably was not uh, doing all that I could to hold him as close as I should. And so I'm just thankful for his holding on to me. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That's fantastic. Love it. One of the things we've enjoyed uh helping our listeners learn along with us is hearing who has been influential on our guests. So who's been influential in your uh, growing as a leader, as a person, Brian? Oh, my word. What a question. Well, there's so many, you know, uh, again, I told you my mother's side of the family, there's a big, a Wesleyan influence and a, um, actually a Salvation Army influence. All of my relatives, my mother's side of the family, go back to the founding of the Salvation Army, and they were all Salvation Army officers. And so wow. uh, my grandfather was uh, a colonel in the Salvation Army and was in charge of um, what they called adult rehabilitation centers all over the eastern seaboard. And so uh, he had a huge influence in my life, just seeing him uh, pour his life into service, into service on behalf of the poor, uh, was just a huge influence on me. And of course, my parents, seeing them live uh, godly lives and, and pouring themselves out in ministry had a huge impact on me as well. Yeah, neat. So you're the founder of the Chalmers Center. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Midwestern boy like you. So when I hear the word Chalmers, I think Alice Chalmers. I know. Your company. But but I don't think that's what this is about. Tell us about its mission and how, how it came into being. Yeah, yeah. So we're named after a guy named Thomas Chalmers, uh, who was a pastor in the uh, Reformed Church of Scotland in the uh, 19th century. And uh, in the throes of the Industrial Revolution, the, the uh, churches were leaving urban centers, fleeing uh, the, the dirt and crime of the inner city. And Chalmers said, no, the church ought to be where the poor are. The church be ministering in Jesus' name to the poor. And he uh, developed a very holistic strategies to minister amongst the poor. And so we're named after Thomas Chalmers. And, and, and kind of his history kind of gets at our own vision. We, we want to equip the local church to be what the Bible says it is, the body and bride and very fullness of Jesus Christ, who ministers the good news of his kingdom in words and in deeds amongst the poor. And so the Chalmers Center is not a frontline implementing organization. We're a church equipping organization. We, we design strategies that we think churches can use to help restore the poor to what it means to be an image bearer. We field test those strategies. Then out of that, we train churches and church equipping organizations to use those strategies on their own, both in the United States and around the world. And so again, uh, we don't really want the poor to ever hear of the Chalmers Center. We want the poor to experience the local church oh, or beach. by extension missionary uh, of, uh, of the local church. We want the poor to experience the local church as the embodiment of Jesus Christ. And so we're kind of behind the scenes empowering that local church. 
ah, you're talking to our heart here because our yeah. podcast is equipping you. We want to be behind the scenes equipping those who minister to others. So that, Love it. Hear that. That's awesome. Love uh, it. So Terry and I, our paths really came together when we worked uh, to lead our churches to help plant a church in the inner city of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, and in that we came, Terry actually introduced me to When Helping Hurts, um, which is a book you've become very well known for in Alliance circles, especially I'm sure many other places too, but it's been helpful here. So let me ask that question in kind of reverse. How do churches often hurt through their helping? Yeah, great question. You know, so often uh, when the churches and churches try to minister to the poor, we minister out of kind of the framework that we default to. And so, so if we're Americans, for example, there's certain stories, certain narratives, certain ways of being in the world that have profoundly shaped us. And so if you ask most Americans, what is poverty? Most Americans will say something like this. It's a lack of food. It's a lack of clothing. It's a lack of shelter. It's a lack of money. We tend to find poverty as some material thing. And as a result, our solutions tend towards material solutions. The federal government does this in its welfare programs. Um, our churches do this with um, uh, clothing closets and soup kitchens. Uh, you and I do it. When we stop at a traffic light and there's a homeless person standing there, we roll down the window, we put a quarter in that person's hand. And, and there's a role for all of those things. I think the federal government has a role. Uh, uh, relief ministries have a role. But, but fundamentally, if you ask poor people, what is it like to be poor? They often answer it in non-material terms. They say things like, I feel shame. I feel less than human. I feel inferior. I feel like I'm neglected. I feel like I'm not part of society. They tend to define their poverty in more psychological and social and even spiritual terms. And so the way that they're experiencing poverty and the way that we are attacking poverty comes from very different frameworks and understanding of what's going on. And so we want to get uh, to the root causes of the problem that requires us to, to think beyond just the material into something deeper. So you say uh, that, that one of the biggest mistakes that churches in North America make is providing relief when rehabilitation or development are much better paths. Uh, unpack that for us. If you yeah, can. you know, uh, so um, not all poverty is created equal. So, so uh, mm. poor people, uh, while they might look the same, are in very different circumstances. So, so think of a person who's homeless on a street corner in your city and think of a person who has just been through a tsunami, a tsunami somewhere in Asia. Both parties are homeless, but the thing that's causing their homelessness is completely different. That, that person who's experienced a tsunami is experiencing a, a recent crisis that's wiped out their home. And so in that situation, relief is the appropriate intervention. Relief is a handout. Relief is doing something to people or for people because they're unable to help themselves. They're really in a crisis. But most people aren't actually in a crisis. Most poor people are not actually in a crisis. They're actually in a chronic state of poverty. And so uh, that homeless person in the street corner, they've been staying there for years. They're, they're, not, they're not there because of a recent crisis. They're there because of some deeper issue. And, and so in that case, we want to move beyond just handouts. We want to move beyond doing things to people or for people. And we want to start doing things with people in which we ask them to participate in the process, in which we ask them to use their own gifts, their own abilities to restore them to all that God has created them to be. And so that's when we move away from relief, which is doing things to people or for people, and into rehab, which is walking with them to restore them 
uh, to the pre-crisis conditions, or then development is walking with people to move them and ourselves to greater levels of human flourishing than either parties that are experienced before. And so the dynamic is moving from two people or four people to doing things with people. It's a very different kind of approach. Wow, those uh, prepositions make all the difference in the world there, for sure. I think uh, through the church plant that Terry and I helped to get started in uh, inner city, I was my perspective of people living in poverty changed, and that changed then how I wanted to be helpful. So can you kind of help us see how, how we view people that are living in poverty, poverty changes how we serve them? Oh, my word. Yeah. So I think uh, there's many different ways of viewing people in poverty, uh, but there's three I'm going to focus on real quickly. The first way is, is, is the way that most of Western civilization conceives of a human being. A human being is fundamentally a physical creature. And when we think of human beings as fundamentally physical creatures as bodies, again, our solutions tend towards providing material resources. And then there's a second view, and this is the view of much of the church in the West, what I would call an evangelical Gnostic framework, that, that basically the body is a container for the soul. And like the ancient Gnostic heresy in the Bible, the, 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 the goal is to uh, get the soul beamed up to heaven. And so we do all kinds of goofy things. So, so most of our churches have really goofy ministries. There, there, there's, uh, I'm going <laughs> to call, just to give you an example, uh, I come up with this idea of the hula hoop ministry. Every one of our churches has a hula hoop ministry. What I mean by that is we've got some ministry that essentially hands out something like a hula hoop every week to the same people. Uh, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in and year out. And, and we're not empowering anybody. And, and people are coming and each week they get their hula hoop placed over their head and pretty soon they're, they're, they're shackled by these hula hoops. But if you ask the people in the ministry, why are you doing this ministry? This is what you're going to hear. We want to show people the love of Christ because we want to get a chance to share the gospel with them so we can get their soul to heaven. And so it, it's using physical ministry as a hook to get a chance to share the gospel, where the gospel is reduced to getting the soul to heaven for all eternity. Well, the, the Bible gives us a different understanding of what a human being is. The Bible says the human being is a body-soul relational creature, and we're highly integrated. We're not bodies that contain souls that get beamed up to heaven. We're highly integrated body-soul relational creatures. So that what happens to us physically affects us spiritually. What happens to us spiritually affects us physically. What happens to us relationally affects us physically and spiritually. And once you think of a human being that way, it reframes everything about how we're going to work with the poor. Suddenly, we move away from just giving things or giving things plus attract and into deep relationship that says, you know what? We're all wired for relationship with God, with ourselves, with others, and with creation. All of us are experiencing brokenness in these relationships. And how can we walk together in deep community in ways that restore us to proper relationship with God, self, others, and the rest of creation? And that reframes everything. Because you know what? I've got broken relationships too. I've got material stuff. I'm not physically poor. But I suffer from strained relationships in all kinds of different ways. And it kind of puts us on a more level kind of playing field. I'm broken. They're broken. And Jesus Christ comes in and brings his healing to both parties. So, Brian, Isaiah 58 challenges how we think about the poor around us. And the prophet doesn't just talk about giving money to the poor, but about spending ourselves or pouring out ourselves for the hungry. Why do you think he uses that kind of language? 
Well, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I haven't done a, a study of the Hebrew on that passage, but I will tell you that that language of spending ourselves on behalf of the hungry really gets at what it takes. So after, as soon as this phone call, this, this podcast is done, uh, my wife is going to pick me up and we're going to go and have dinner with a friend of mine uh, who I'm going to call Bob for the purposes of this podcast. And when I first met Bob, he was homeless. And my wife and I have been walking with Bob for five years. And quite frankly, I'm tired tonight. I don't feel like having dinner with Bob. And I'm gonna, I want to tell you that I'm so sanctified that I can't wait to go have dinner with Bob. I don't want to have dinner with Bob tonight. I want to go home and watch Monday Night Football. That's yeah. the honest truth. Yes. That's just the truth. But Bob, you know what? He needs my wife and I have to have dinner with him tonight. Yeah. He, 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 he's, he's struggling with a number of things. And, and all of those things, again, are rooted in broken relationships. And so what Bob needs is deep relationship. He needs my wife and I to continue to walk with him across time, speaking truth into his life in ways that are empowering, in ways that that are the tune of the gospel. And we see the Holy Spirit showing up in incredible things in Bob's life over time, but it's slow. It's arduous. It's two steps forward, one step back. Right now, he's dealing with a particular problem that he's, he's Bob is a hoarder. And because he's a hoarder, he's being cited by the city for all the junk that's in his yard. Well, that's creating a tremendous crisis for Bob. But I also see in the middle of that crisis, in the middle of all the dysfunction, in the middle of him acting out, in the middle of him offending all of his neighbors, I can see the Holy Spirit showing up and speaking into his life. And Bob is coming into new revelations about himself, about why he hoards. And so... It's it's about relationship. It's about spending ourselves. It's about us creating a positive community for Bob so that he can grow and, 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 and flourish out of that community. It's different from just giving Bob money. I wish it were that easy, to be honest with you, because I want to watch Monday Night Football tonight. But it ain't going to do it. I, got, I get to have supper with Bob tonight. <laughs> well, uh, since we're uh, recording this in October, at least you'll be... Oh. <laughs> Uh, watch the Atlanta Braves game in the World Series tomorrow night. Since you're in Chattanooga, surely you're a Braves fan. I'm a Milwaukee. I'm from Wisconsin, brother. The, I, I've got some hard feelings. The, I'm a Brewers fan. Uh-oh. And so, so uh, yeah, the, the Braves <laughs> eliminated my team, brother. Oh, yeah. well, so I, much I for that. I remember that very well. Okay. Oh. I, I, I was liking you, Terry, up until this point. but you know. <laughs> That's great. There he goes. He oh, put he's putting cheese the cheese head on. on. That's fantastic. Uh, I love it. If, if our listeners could see the video, yeah. that would be fantastic. That's that's a true fan right there when you that got that is, cheese head. That Within is. reaching distance, as we're it's, talking. It's like a security blanket. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh my wow okay <laughs> well back to um, the topic at hand back to the topic at hand yes uh so a couple of years ago in that world we refer to now as pre-covid right before that i believe you put you released another book called becoming whole uh and so what was the motivation for that one yeah great question so two things uh the first motivation is this um, you know, the Lord used when helping hurts in ways that we never could have dreamed or imagined. We're so thankful for that. But, you know, as I was speaking in various places, people would come up to me afterwards. And they would ask me very specific questions. You know, uh, questions like, I, I'm working on an island off the coast of Africa with this particular tribe, and they're having this problem. What do I do? Well, I didn't have a clue. And so people are asking very specific questions. 
and they wanted sort of a recipe or a formula. I realized I, I could never have the answers to all these questions. And what, what people really needed was a story. They needed a story about how does God typically work in the world and what are his overall goals? Where is it all heading? Uh, what does human flourishing look like and how does God normally go about accomplishing that? And that what people need was a story that could guide them to give them wisdom so that they could figure out with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, that they could figure out what to do in all these wide range of situations. They were lacking a story, an overarching story. The second thing I realized was that um, there was kind of an irony in, in the space of poverty alleviation. The irony was this. Americans are increasingly unhappy. All the evidence shows that, that happiness in America is on the decline. Uh, anxiety and mental illness is skyrocketing. And there's a sense in which our implicit message to poor people was, hey, become just like us middle-class Americans. Uh, why, why don't you become just like us, but we're miserable? So, so, so I, I, <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but it's true. It's true. I thought, you know what? It's kind of ironic that we're inviting them into our story, but we don't like our story very much. And the story of the American dream isn't working that great. And so we all need a better story, too. And so I started just to press into what is God's story? What is God's story of change? A story of change or a theory of change answers two questions. What is the goal and how can we achieve the goal? And my view is that America has lost a sense of God's story about what the goal is and how that goal can be achieved. And then as a result, we don't have a very good story for the poor. And so really becoming whole is about recovering the biblical story. It's really the operating system that underlies when helping hurts. It's sort of like when helping hurts going deeper. And it reflects some learnings that, we've, uh, that, that I've had since we wrote When Helping Hurts. It just goes deeper. And it goes into, again, what is God's story? And how can that story change me? And how can that story change the materially poor? You know, I think a lot of us think the goal is to turn Uganda into the United States or to turn the suburbs, sorry, the inner city into the suburbs. But all those places are actually broken. The real goal is to turn all these places into the new Jerusalem. That's God's story. And so becoming whole is about how we can all live into a better story uh, and then applies that to our work with the poor. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, Brian, how, do, how does serving those in need intersect with our own discipleship? Oh, my word. How does it, working with those in need, intersect with our own discipleship? That's a spectacular question. I think it, 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 it kind of springboards off of what I was just saying. Most of us, I would argue, the story we're living is the following. The goal is to get my soul beamed up to heaven, where I'm going to float around on clouds, wearing diapers and playing harps. I already want to go there, to be honest with you. <laughs> and so we, we kind of have this sort of ethereal notion of heaven and that we're floating around like ghosts for all eternity. And the church hasn't really given us a very good story for this life, for what we do Monday through Saturday. And as a result, we default to the only story we know, the story of the American dream. And so we kind of live our best life now, more and more stuff, this material prosperity, with the assurance that our souls will go to heaven someday. And we live bifurcated lives. And we, we live lives that don't make any sense. And as a result, we're not flourishing. And so in our work with the poor, we encounter this profound question of what is the goal? 
and how is that goal achieved as we work with the poor? And then we start to realize that we ourselves need to live into that story, that we ourselves need to live into real human flourishing. We ourselves aren't flourishing even though we think we are. And so in my work with the poor, I've discovered that human flourishing is different from what I thought it was. Mm. It's not about getting my soul to heaven and living the American dream now. Uh, For me, the American dream isn't so much material progress as it's more um, sort of just professional success. I've discovered that the the real story is relationship, relationship with God, with ourselves, with others, with creation. And as I'm learning about that story, it's slowly, slowly, slowly changing me into a different kind of person. And and so, yeah, I think think working with the poor is absolutely central to discipleship because it helps us to encounter a different story. It's the only story that's really true. Rich. That is rich which is a, a wonderfully ironic word to use to describe that conversation. It is. Yeah. True riches, true riches. Love it. True, true riches. It's and it's in deep relationship. So much of the Bible is coming alive to me in different ways. You know, Jesus in his prayer in the book of John, just before uh, he's arrested, you know, in Jesus um, prayer there in the garden of Eden, there's a strange passage where, you know, he says um, he first, he prays for his disciples and then he says, I, I don't pray just for them. I pray for those who will come after them. He's praying. He's about to be arrested. And he, Terry and Alan, he's praying for you and me. Just about his, our names are on the tip of his tongue as he's about to be arrested. And what does he pray? He doesn't pray, gee, help Terry and Alan and Brian to live the American dream and get their soul to heaven someday. Yeah. <laughs> he prays this crazy thing about Lord, may they be one as we are one, and I and them and you and me and them and us. He prays about the spaghetti bowl of relationships. The passage is actually really confusing. If you try to diagram, I'm an economist, so it's all diagrams, right? You try to diagram, it's the craziest thing ever. I and you, you and me. And what we're called to is what's in that passage, deep relationship, communion with the triune God, communion with one another, and then living into that in the creation. It's a much better story. And so I, for me, the Bible is coming alive as a result of trying to figure out how to solve poverty. Wow. That is very helpful insights. And uh, it, you know, it gives me motivation and peace when I think about us journeying together with people that are in need. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have a lot of compassionate people in our Alliance churches, and we're thankful for that. And because of that, their churches want to help those living in poverty in their, in their neighborhoods and communities. So if they really want to start down the journey of helping people without hurting them and, and thinking about them as whole people, not just material people, what are some important first steps for them to take? I think a really important first step would be to think about COVID. Why mm-hmm. is COVID such a problem? For those who lose their jobs or get sick, that's obvious. But what about those of us who haven't lost our jobs? I haven't lost my job and I haven't gotten COVID. Well, why is COVID such a pain in the neck for us? Well, it's because we're actually wired for relationship and we're we're not able to have those relationships the way that we want to. And so COVID is like the greatest illustration of what I'm talking about. Why are, mental illness is exploding right now all across the country. Why? It's because we're deeply wired for relationship. COVID is preventing us from having it. And so the first thing I would say is just reflect on why is COVID bad? It's bad because of what I'm talking about. We're deeply wired for relationship. I'd suggest the next step out of that is repentance. 
And, and what I mean by that is this. I think we need to repent of a false understanding of how the world works, of what human flourishing looks like, pretty much a false understanding of much of our lives. Again, many of us are functioning out of a worldview that says life is fundamentally material. When it's not, it's relational. And so I think we need to repent of some things that we've absorbed from the culture around us, repent of behaviors and activities that are highly materialistic, highly individualistic, and press into the good news of God's story that we're deeply wired for relationship and that in Jesus Christ, we get reunited with the Father, the Son, and, and the Holy Ghost. It's the greatest story ever. And so repentance is the first thing. Uh, after reflecting on COVID, repentance, repentance of pride, repentance of our trust in material resources, and embracing our brokenness. You know, you know, one of the biggest problems in poverty alleviation is that those of us who are trying to help the poor, we think we're okay. We think we've arrived because we think the story is about stuff. And you see, I've got the stuff. And because I've got the stuff, I think I'm okay. And not only am I okay, but I've got what the poor people need. It's right here in my pocket. I've got in my pocket, I've got money. And so it puts me up here and it puts them down here. But what we've got to realize is that we're all broken and, and that, that I'm suffering from broken relationships. And, and the way that I'm broken are the very things that make me successful in American culture and society. So you, see, you, see, you see, so in school, uh, I was the kid who, when the teacher said, uh, go read that article that's on reserve in the library, I always read it. Terry and, and Alan, you weren't reading that. You were out there having fun on, on in the playground. I was reading the articles on reserve in the library. Uh, I think I would have been. Terry might have been reading. Hey. Terry was out there. He was out playing soccer or something. So, 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 I know. So, I was not playing soccer. What were you playing, buddy? I don't know, but something other than soccer. <laughs> okay, not soccer. Soccer's too new. You're too old for soccer. I can tell you. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yes, I am too. You are my yeah. friend, Brian Picker. So you're out there playing football or basketball or something, the playground or baseball. Now, what is that all about? Well, you know, um, I was working really hard. And if you ask me, I would have said, I'm trying to develop my gifts to glorify God. Every day in school, I got a smiley face on my, on my paper. People were always cheering for me. Go, go, go. Well, in American culture, if you're a workaholic, people cheer for you. Nobody ever says, hey, you know what? There's idolatry in here. Nobody ever says stop. And so I've got two cars in my driveway. I've got a nice house. The systems, the stories in my life have all been cheering for me to plunge into my idolatry. And so the very things that make me successful are actually the things that have enslaved me. And so once we start to think about life as being about healthy relationships, we can start to look at ourselves and realize, holy cow, I'm really messed up here. And the very things that the world is praising are the actual evidences of my brokenness. So it's repentance. It's repentance. It's repentance. And then finally, it's about deep relationship. It's about walking across time in deep and empowering relationships with poor people. There's no magic formula. Yeah, there's tools, there's, there's resources we've got for you. But fundamentally, it's about walking in highly empowering relationships across time with materially poor people and getting transformed ourselves in the process because the poor have a lot to teach us. Ding, 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 ding. You've done such a great job answering the first regulation questions that we're going to take you now to the bonus round. <laughs> you know, you're going to have fun with us for all, all the money. All right. For all the money. So uh, your book should shape 
the way Alliance, the Alliance family thinks about ministry in their own neighborhoods, but also in the nations through short-term missions. Uh, so, so we don't have time for a full talk on short-term missions, but what are some big ideas that church okay. leaders should consider as they lead their church churches in short-term missions? So if poverty is about a lack of stuff, then short-term missions makes all the sense in the world. Fly all over the world, hurl out shoes and clothing and food. But what if poverty is about broken relationships with God, with ourselves, with others, and with the rest of creation? I don't know about you guys, but my relationships can't get reconciled in a week. You can't solve poverty in a week, but you sure can make it worse. Because when one of the primary features of people who are materially poor is a marred self-image, that broken relationship with self, they tend to see themselves as inferior, as less than human, as incapable of affecting change in their lives. They have a marred self-image. And when Westerners run in and take charge and hurl around resources, it exacerbates that sense of, I can't do anything. I need Westerners to fix me. Mm. And so short-term missions can do a lot of harm. Now, uh, is there a role for short-term trips? Notice I changed the language from short-term missions to short-term trips because I don't think it's missions work. There is a role, a very powerful role. The role is to identify uh, churches, ministries, organizations on the ground that are doing outstanding, highly relational, highly developmental, highly empowering work across time and go and love on those organizations. And loving on them doesn't mean, hey, make up something for me to do in your community. Loving means sitting and listening to the missionary talk about their lives. It means babysitting their kids so that they can go out, take their wife out for dinner. It means listening to their stories prayer, encouragement, supporting them across time, raising financial resources for their work. It's a back office role. It's a role that that isn't visible, that gets behind the people. The primary manifestation of Jesus Christ in a low-income community are the churches and ministries that are there already over the long haul. You and I are not the primary manifestation of Jesus Christ in those communities. We're not the ones who can do incarnational ministry. It's those who are there over the long haul who can do that. Our job is a back office job of support, prayer, and encouragement. It sounds boring. It's not center stage. We Americans aren't very good at not being on center stage. The power of support of, of an encouraging word is off the charts. I I I was I, I got I know you, I got I could go off on this for another hour. I won't. I promise. I'll stop. <laughs> I was in a situation a decade ago where one of my major financial supporters came with me on a trip to West Africa, and at one point he looked at our work and it wasn't very impressive to me. He looked at our work and this man was is a multimillionaire. He's seen big projects. He's seen huge things. And I took him to see these little ministries that we've helped start there with, you know, 10 people sitting under a tree, saving their own money, letting it to one another. It's very small, very simple, very primitive. We get in the car to drive to the airport. And I said to my friend, what do you think? And he said, Brian, I've been praying and fasting for West Africa for 20 years. And what I just saw in your, in your ministry is the answer to 20 years of my prayer and fasting. This is what I've wanted to see for 20 years. You think that gets me out of bed in the Monday morning when I'm discouraged to have the, the, this man said it for 20 years? years, he's been praying and fasting, and this is what he wanted to see, the power of encouragement. 
encouraging people on the ground is huge. Well, Brian, we thank you. I love yes, the way you do. think and uh, love the way you communicate the way you think. So very helpful and help, helpful, especially to um, folks like us in the Alliance who are trying to accomplish mission both in the U.S. and around the world. So thanks so much for... Thank you, brothers. Let me just say this. You know, I've had, I, I'm not an expert in the Christian Mission Alliance, but we have had some opportunities to work with CNMA uh, across North America in uh to some degree overseas as well. And I've always appreciated the Christian Missionary Alliance. Great people, awesome vision, passion, rooted in the gospel. Very thankful for your work. Thank, Thank you. you so much. You're appreciate kind. it. You're kind. And uh, great to have you on Equipping You Podcast. Thank you. Thanks, brothers. Well, Alan, that was fantastic. Really appreciate uh, how our brother thinks. I'm so encouraged. Uh, and I, you know, his grace, honestly, uh, that he cares about whole people. Mm-hmm. Uh, his understanding of the the gospel story, recognizing that you know God is not just trying to snatch our bodies, our souls from our body to get us to heaven, <laughs> but to uh, actually save us as whole people yeah. and bring us to His new heaven and new earth means that whole people matter to God. Yeah, it does. I know you've enjoyed listening as we've enjoyed doing this uh, podcast. We thank you for listening. If you didn't listen, we wouldn't do this, quite frankly. No, actually, we would not. So uh, we're glad you do listen. And a growing number of you are listening. So uh, glad to have you here. And next time on Equipping You Podcast, we're going to talk to our good friend, Spencer Sweetie. He's Caitlin's former pastor. Sure is. What do you think? I think it's going to be a great episode. If you were at uh, General Council this past right. year, then you've heard some from Spencer already, and he's just a deep well. And I think we're going biographical on this one. Yes. Um, and he's got a great story and has gleaned a lot. I've gleaned a lot of wisdom from him and his story, and he shares freely. So it's definitely not one to miss. Yep. Looking That's forward to it. Meanwhile, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.